welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bass. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? I'm exhausted from all our all, celebrating. Absolutely. That's an odd way of saying it, but yeah. Um, <laughs> we had celebrations. Yeah, sure. We were celebrating. I prefer celebrations, uh-huh. right? That's how you say it. Um, yeah, it's, uh, we recorded uh, five episodes. For those that don't know, for those that tuned in at the usual day and then tuned out, uh, we recorded five episodes for episode 500. Yeah. And so you can find those uh, at BattleshipRetention.com. Um, and we got uh, a lot of great responses um, on the yeah. website and on Twitter and, and I'm assuming on Facebook. I don't know. I don't yes. Know, uh, uh, but people were really into us doing five episodes a week. It's not going to be an ongoing thing. Yeah, that's. I tell you what, when we get to episode 1,000... <clears throat> Oh, wow. When we get to episode 1,000, we'll do 10 yeah. episodes. Did you see the tweet we got today that <laughs> someone tweeted, uh, congratulations on 500 episodes. Here's to five more. Yeah. And the was like, 500. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I laughed really hard about that this morning. I do like the idea. Uh, it's just like 505 is pretty much where, <laughs> where I tune out. Yeah. Um, okay. But, but we're going to keep the celebrations going a little oh, bit. Oh, good. Because we have some gifts. This one I always feel weird about opening because Sarah is, of course, a member of the yes. BP family, but she also sends us awesome stuff. That's true, yes. Because um, she's very crafty. Yeah. Like, like uh, sneaky? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like MacGyver, though. Yeah. Um, so, oh, my yeah, gosh. Sa- uh, Sarah Brinks, the great Battleship Pretension contributor, made us a card where she made 500 out of, what are these, little rolls of, uh, I don't know, little paper rolls? Yeah, I think so. It's and very it looks cool wonderful. So that's, maybe I'll take a picture of that and put it up on the on the Twitter. Good call. Um, so she said, yeah, she says a bunch of nice stuff, which I'm too embarrassed to read. Um, I'm handing it to Tyler. <laughs> but then we also got something I'm very excited about. Okay. Oh my gosh. This is a, it's a big package here. Yeah. I'm very excited whenever we get anything from Canada. Oh, uh Oh, um, time for you to get some things you can eat that I can't. <laughs> yeah. Cause as if you don't know by now, if you were, if you were in, uh, I almost said Canada, if you're in Canada or Australia or New Zealand, uh, I want all of your treats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the the candy bars and stuff that they have in those parts of the world. Yeah. For some reason, they really speak to me. And I'm running low on cherry ripes from our last... Uh, oh, wow. You really tore through those. Um, no, it's been a while. Really? Yeah. I guess so. Uh, I've been making them last, the, the cherry ripes from Australia. So I'm hoping there's something cool uh, from Canada in this bag. Oh, and I am not at all disappointed. Um... Hopefully there's a card in here somewhere. But we got a bunch of coffee crisp. Like a bunch of coffee crisp. And you got a Devil's Backbone <laughs> DVD. Because our listeners can't stop making you want to... Like, making sure you see the Devil's, Devil's Backbone. backbone. Um, we also got uh, a uh, comic book. A hardcover comic book. Called Black Sad Amarillo. Okay. And oh, here's the card. Okay. There we go. I was hoping that our... Oh. Sorry, there's more coffee crisp in this. Oh, bag. good. All right. All right. Well, our guest wanted some some snacks, and we have some now. Yes. So our guest can have some of here. You can have some of that coffee crisp. I'm taking the rest of this home. <laughs> I might enjoy the occasional uh, coffee crisp. Oh, I, I'm sorry. You know what? I just you're right. I just made the assumption that you would not care for coffee crisp. I enjoy crispy things and coffee. And coffee. Okay. So um, Jared says, dear. David, I hope you like... Oh, I see. He's, he's given us the... All right, we each have our own card. We don't have to read them out loud. Um, but they have... Uh, oh, this guy again. Okay. Yeah, it's Jarrett, uh, and he gave us drawings. Here's a very muscular man holding cake and uh, party favors, and he's chasing a woman with a bare midriff. Uh, he's 
blowing a what do you call these things? Like a noisemaker? Yeah, I uh, think he's so. Tooting a noisemaker mm-hmm. and she's she finds it delightful. So that's the drawing he gave. Uh and then here's the the man and woman again. Um Oh, this is my 34th birthday thing. I see. Thank Indeed, you. yes. Thank you, Jared. I have uh, what looks like a knight in shining armor and a, sa- uh-huh. a worried samurai. Uh-huh. So. It's a, yeah, lady knight. Right? Now. In shining armor. Uh, or just a man with long hair, you know. Oh, uh, I guess. I guess I was thinking because mine was a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. And also because this is me being sexist. The, your knight's shining armor is magenta. Yeah. What's wrong with magenta? You're right. You know what? I look, I think I look good in magenta. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's no question that you do. I'm what I do, like, like, I'm wearing like periwinkle pants today, so I shouldn't be judging about people's colors. I do like that. The, not necessarily the color, but like the name of that color. So I'm not going to read the letter, but I will read the P.S. It says, "Wait till Christmas yeah. and see what you get." <laughs> oh, I also got to wait until Christmas. Mine wasn't quite so threatening. Yeah. So thank you, Jared. Like, yeah. Uh, keep. You know what? If you guys keep sending us stuff. Our 500th episode celebration never has to end. That's true. So just keep sending stuff. You can find the PO box on the website. Lots of great stuff on the uh, Criterion Collection right thank now. Thank you so much. Yeah, I um, yeah, uh, and there's always coffee crisps and Tim Tams and sure. uh, and and Jerry Ripes. And even and, though and anything else that you want, even though you can buy Tim Tam at Target now, yeah. I don't want to have to leave the house to get Tim Tam. I like them to come to my P.O. box. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's not the same if they don't come uh, from halfway around the world. All right. Um, let's pay some bills, and okay. then we'll introduce our guest. Indeed. All right. David, as you know, this episode, episode 501, is brought to you by Mubi, a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Mubi's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $5.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. All right, currently available at Mubi is The Innkeepers, featuring a friend of the show, Pat Healy, uh, who is on episode 500B, Correct. I don't remember. That sounds correct to me. Also available is, okay, here we go. This is a movie's branching out. YK Kim's Miami Connection, a delightfully over-the-top B-movie that features brutal martial arts and songs about friendship. That's actually true. The people (laughs) that, that cut the arms off of their enemies also sing songs about friendship it is a crazy ass movie and it is available in movie right now and there's a special offer for listeners of battleship retention you can try movie free for a month just go to movie.com that's m-u-b-i.com slash battleship to redeem now <clears throat> okay we have another sponsor this week only BP listeners may recall back in fall of 2014, we were sponsored by a Kickstarter campaign raising money for a tiny horror comedy uh, and an homage to 1950s monster movies called I Was a Teenage Wear Skunk. Well, here we are two, le- two years later, and this little movie that could... This is their copy. I think it's fine. Um, that, that's a joke, of course. David and I saw the movie, yeah. and we love it. We think yeah. it's hilarious. Uh, it is, you still have to is, pay for a sponsorship, though. Yeah, exactly. I, I cut him a deal. Okay. But, you know. Uh, yeah, so the, the movie is uh, finally completed and is about to be unleashed upon the world. I Was a Teenage Wearskunk tells the story of an all-American, uh, of all-American teen, Curtis Albright. One night, while Curtis is peeping on a neighbor woman undressing for bed, he's sprayed in the face by an enchanted skunk. <laughs> I'm remembering this movie already, and I'm laughing again. Okay, from that point forward, anytime Curtis feels turned on, he transforms into a murderous wearskunk. Suffice to say, hilarity and horror ensues. <laughs> 
Fresh off a wildly successful Hollywood premiere in front of a raucous, sold-out audience at the historic Vista Theater, would you say we were raucous, David? Uh, we were rocking. D- d- damn right we were. Uh, Where Skunk is now officially released. If you li- for, Okay, so a couple options here. If you live in L.A., you can catch it on the big screen at the Los Feliz 3 Theater on Vermont Avenue for the week of October 28th to November 3rd. So Right in time for Halloween. Just in time for Halloween. If, wait, I know what you, the listener, are thinking. I don't live in Los Angeles. I'm some kind of flyover cow, you know? Uh-huh. Or I live in Canada, Australia, and New Zealand, and I'm too busy packing yeah, up exactly. treats for David. Yeah, my, my, my mouth is too full of cherry ripes to, uh, <laughs> to say one, please. Um, but fear not also on October 28th, you can catch the where skunk exclusively on Amazon in the form of DVD, digital download or streaming rental. Uh, and it's free to Amazon prime members. I'm, I'm very excited for that. Uh, so visit teenagewhereskunk.com or click on the ad at battleshippretension.com for all the details. And we really do think it's a good movie. I, yeah, I, I genuinely, because we went to see it, he invited us, and, and you know, invariably, when you see, like, a Friends film or something like that, you're like, all right, I'm going to cut this thing some slack. Yeah, and... No slack required. Yeah, it's a it's a parody of 1950s teen monster horror movies. Yeah. Um, that is, I think, smart in the way that it, um, it hits on the way that they're really all just about sexual repression. Yes. And it's also really funny in the style of A Wet Hot American Summer in the sense that it's parodying a certain type of movie, but also just has a bunch of crazy shit in it a lot yeah. of the time. Uh, that's that's really, really funny. Yeah, I'm going to say all th- everyone's great. All three cops have just a delightful dynamic that cannot be explained yes. with human words. Yeah, the three cops, the, the best characters are the three cops, and then the dynamic between the sheriff who's one of the cops and his wife. Yes. The actress, by the way, who plays his wife also plays one of the three cops. Yes. Um, yeah. Fantastic. Definitely worth checking out, especially if you're an Amazon prime member. I mean, exactly. You know, it's, you know, I have Amazon stuff. prime and I'm like, Hey, I can watch this whenever I want. That's fun. All right. Um, I also want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com. That's where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. And they look great. They sound great. Uh, and they're all available at a low, low price over at tweakedaudio.com. And if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So uh, go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Tyler. Yes? Who's our guest? And was he just taking a picture of me? No. (laughs) I swear to God, no. No, I, uh, okay. I was not. Should I have? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I, I didn't know if I should be uh, posing or whatever. <laughs> no, I don't like the natural photos. I've been taking pictures of you for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, when we did our sound check, you, yeah, weren't, you were swallowing not swallowing the, the mic. So, I'm so sorry. I'll back <laughs> off on the mic. My name's Asterios Coconos. You might remember me from episode 300 of Battleship Pretension. Now I'm here on 501. 
Every 200 episodes, I will reappear like the Phoenix or Shangri-La. <laughs> Welcome to me. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks. I think this might be the first time that a guest has said his name before her. That's true. It him. is deeply off-putting. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't like it one bit. Oh. Well, my first question out of the gate is, had you had Coffee Crisp before? And uh, if not, what do you think? It's amazing. Yeah, they're fantastic, right? How much caffeine is in this? <laughs> Let me see. Caffeine, caffeine, caffeine. No, I guess it's just like coffee flavoring then. Because mm. there's no caffeine on there. Oh, yeah. I yeah. don't like that. No, you're right. There's a lot of, uh, oh, wow, there's a lot. Oh, I just ate entirely chemicals. Um, <laughs> gum Arabic, shellac, palm kernel oil, sunflower lectin. Really good. I really They're delicious. Like them. Yeah, I'm gonna right? have another one. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad. I'm, I'm really very glad that Tyler likes them. Who, uh, whichever well. fan of yours sent these, I would love it if you'd also become a fan of mine. <laughs> this is really this great. Is, yeah, this is Jarrett from Calgary. Jarrett, love you. <laughs> so, uh, serious, how you been? I've been doing all right. Um, I, I mean, it's so funny. Something I was thinking about on the way up here is how I think I've been on the show three times. But over the course of the, but there have been big, big gaps between them. Uh-huh. And in my three appearances on this show, the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh-huh. has grown in, from this like tiny thing to this gigantic yeah. thing. Like I think the last time I was here, we were talking about Iron Man 2. And I was like, oh, Iron Man 2, it's not bad. I liked it. Last time you were here, we were talking about Man of Steel. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, oh gosh, I guess that was yep. a while ago. Yep. That was wow. four years ago, right? Man it was. Steel? Yeah, I think we were talking about Man of Steel, and then we were, because Will Anderson was on, and he was a big uh, Nolan Batman fan, we were also talking about Dark Knight Rises, which had come out quite a time, you know, quite Not a while before, before then. I thought, uh, I thought also there was a year. In, They're both the same year. I thought uh, Man of Steel was 2013. You know what? You're right. Okay. So, no, yeah. We were talking about Man I remember we were talking about Man of Steel because I said to myself, like, yeah, I don't want to see this movie. I hear <laughs> Superman murders a bunch of people. Yeah, he does. And then I finally saw Batman versus Superman about a week ago on an airplane. How did that work out? Uh, on an airplane? Great. <laughs> because your expectations are so low. And also, here's the thing about Batman versus Superman. I highly suggest you watch it without headphones in. And subtitles, because you can tell everything that's happening in this movie from just people's giant expressions. It's like, <laughs> well, so to me, that's uh, that's uh, that's actually praise. For yeah, show don't Zack Snyder. If, yeah. yeah, if you can if you can tell what's going on in a movie without listening to it, then that's that means that he's doing his job as a visual storyteller. Yeah, I still haven't seen to a certain extent. Yeah, you know, like if you have that thing, if you have dialogue that goes with it then the big expressions means that everything is so over the top uh, <laughs> right, that right. it's uh, virtually unacceptable. Yeah, I was just like, oh, the dialogue in this movie is completely unnecessary. Uh-huh. Because, like, yeah, look, I'm sure, I'm sure I would have gleaned more complexities if I knew that that senator was drinking a jar of Lex Luthor's pee-pee before the Senate exploded from Lex Luthor turning a guy's wheelchair into a bomb. But did, uh, not did I really? I don't know if any of what you're saying is made up. It's, or no, it's no all, everything I just said is true. I found right. out about all of it later. <laughs> did he make, 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 does he make like Amy Adams drink a jar of pee pee? It's not Amy. No, no, it's Who is uh, it? Holly Hunter. Holly Hunter. Holly Hunter. What did she ever do to anybody except be a cherished cinematic treasure for twenty something years? Which yeah. means that she's, uh, I would say, 
cherished, cherished Hollywood treasure, the role that she plays in this movie, the unfortunate role she plays in this movie, which is like this senator who opposes Lex Luthor, winds up drinking some of his pee. I don't know if she actually does drink it. But she it's definitely smells it because she's like, ew. Because, yeah. okay, so for those of you who don't remember this stupid thing we're talking about, there's an earlier scene where Holly Hunter's character goes like, don't serve me, uh, don't, don't pee in my teacup. Like Mr. Luther, don't don't serve me pee pee and call it Grammy Sweet Time Tea. Something like that. Uh, like literally, something called it Grammy Sweet Time Tea. So she sits down. <laughs> she sits down in the Senate and she's like, "Order, order. We're about to um, rule on Superman being bad." And then, and you think like Lex Luthor wants that. And then she like looks over to her right and there's a jar and like there's a piece of masking tape on it. And someone has written in a Sharpie, Grammy sweet time tea. And she looks at it and she's like, what incarnation? And she opened it and she doesn't say that, but I'm watching it. Uh-huh. And just based on her expression, she's saying what incarnation. And so she unscrews the lid. She smells it. She's like, ew, oh, cut to wheelchair bomb. Superman covered in the dead yeah. bodies of the entire Senate. Yeah. That's that happens in the movie. Yeah. Hunter dies. Yeah, I'm sorry. She doesn't make it. This is another reason for me not to watch the movie. You've never seen it. No, no. And I won't. I don't. Uh, uh, I don't watch movies where Holly Hunter dies. That's not true. Uh, you never been watching on an airplane four years later like I did. Maybe maybe I'll uh, get on an airplane and and, and see if it's if it, what's what's going. Now I'm trying to think what movies I've seen where Holly Hunter dies. Well, There's kind of a lifeless ordinary, but she's an angel, so I don't think it really counts. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Louise. She drives off a cliff. That's, she's not in that. <laughs> she should have been. It's right in Gina Davis. They did a great job with, yeah, without yeah, Holly Hunter's yeah, help. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Holly Hunter. Holly Hunter. Uh, her romantic life dies in broadcast news. <laughs> well, I was, I was going to say at the end of broadcast news, there is that scene where Al, Albert Brooks's wheelchair explodes, <laughs> which is very strange. You don't expect it, but James L. Brooks is a genius. Um, she. If if Holly Hunter died in Little Black Book, I would be the only person who knew because I think I'm the only person who saw it. Um, she does doesn't she, die. Does she die in thirteen? She does not die in thir- in thirteen. All right, she's got a pretty good streak going. I gotta say, she yeah. should change her name to Holly Gatherer because she <laughs> seems to be such a pacifist. She never dies in any of these movies except for one. And in that movie, she's the Holly Hunted, not the Holly Hunter. <laughs> Did you ever see A Life of Ordinary, by the way? No, I don't Where, even know what it is. Is Superman in it? Uh, no, but Holly Hunter plays uh, Holly Hunter plays a very randy, sexually frustrated angel coming to come to Earth. And that's like the fifth weirdest thing about that movie. Whoa. I feel like that's like a movie. We, we, Battleship Pretension, I think, has talked about Life of Ordinary more than anyone else over the past 10 years. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, but I really do. And yet it's this still movie. probably like the f- sixth or seventh movie that we talk about the most. Yeah. I feel like, okay. Um, as far as Danny Boyle goes, I feel like <clears throat> a lifeless ordinary is to train spotting as burn after reading is to no country for old men. Sure. Where people don't take those either movie as seriously because the one before it is such like it was an immediate classic yeah. and people like think, Oh, whatever. They followed it up with some sort of like trifle, but a lifeless ordinary, it's no train spotting, but no. it's a really, really fun movie. Well, and I, I do, I am waiting, even though it's been eight, eight, eight years now, but, uh, I am waiting for there to be like a little cult resurgence or surgence, I guess for, uh, 
burn after reading because like Big Lebowski was not well regarded very very much either right, after yeah. Fargo, but just people found it on video and now it's this this cult classic. Um, and I, and I do think that that'll probably happen with Burn After Reading at some point. Okay, let's hope at the very least with, it's got. It might be too late for Lifeless Ordinary. That movie is almost twenty years old now. Hey, we uh, got what is it? Eighteen years old. We've got five more episodes 19? to sell this thing to people. <laughs> That's right. I guess four after this. But uh, um, I'm serious. What are some movies that you? love that you think don't get enough uh respect ant-man ant-man that's a good movie I'm yeah like i'm not a lot. fan of ant-man myself i was a fan let's talk about it okay <laughs> yeah let's gang up on tyler yeah okay oh, look I'll, I'll i'll open it up by just saying i think that is my favorite marvel movie out of all of them like i think i like it even more than guardians <clears throat> which is incredible and i think i like it because it's just so it's like a real underdog story, mm-hmm. you know, like Simon Pegg left the production and got replaced by another very good director. You mean you know, Edgar Wright left? Yeah, uh, Edgar Wright left and, the production. Yeah, got replaced by Peyton Reed, who is right. no slouch. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like Peyton Reed is one of the original directors of the Upright Citizens Brigade television show. Yep. And so it's like, well, this guy knows how to craft a joke. And it was also the first Marvel movie I ever saw that I felt was that the special effects made it better, not just the oh, same. Yeah. I agree with that. Like, um, like, like you know, okay, so a guy turns into the Hulk and punches somebody. Like, there's, so, there's only so many ways that you can portray that, like visually. Or, you know, um, a guy turns into a liquid metal. A guy, like, I'm trying to think of like the common ways you use superpowers. A guy flies. Like, a guy going from tiny to gigantic. It's like his superpower is a camera move, like a rack zoom. <laughs> yeah. And so it made all the it made the fights actually super entertaining and interesting. It, like a lot of times when I see these long CGI set pieces in movies, I'm just like, well, they're doing the business of the plot. And like, this is fine. Like, I like all these actors. But uh, with Ant-Man, I was like excited to see more CGI, hmm. especially in the final sequence where he's flowing through the quantum zone or whatever the fuck. Oh my god! And yeah, it's like it's like the end of two thousand one. Yeah, yeah. Um, my, one of my favorites because it, it, this is it's not just the CGI. A lot of this I think goes to uh, Peyton Reed and um, the screenwriters for coming up with the great visual ideas, like the part when he's he's running across that model an architecture model yeah and someone the the cops or the security guards are shooting at him so it's bullets but because he's tiny it looks like he's like storming the beaches at normandy yeah. that's such an awesome idea and and peyton reed keeps finding interesting ways to use the him being being small but also yeah the number i, I would say um, as far as marvel movies it's probably my second favorite after the avengers um but you definitely hit um right the hit the nail on the head uh, about Peyton Reed's comedy background. I think Ant-Man is the funniest Marvel movie that I've seen, um, which isn't many of them. Uh, it's got but, the most diversity. Uh, and yeah, uh, sure. They all play criminals, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so diverse. <laughs> Ant-Man would be the funniest Marvel movie if it were just for Michael Pena, but everybody else is funny too. Yeah. But Michael Pena, he's great. He knocks it out of the park. The part when he is, I talked to this before. It's a, such a great, like, I don't know if this is improvised by him, just a great little, like, uh, uh, visual bit when he's dressed up as one of the security guards and he goes up and he stands next to the other security guard and makes a huge show of show, <laughs> showing off his badge. You know, he's like, oh, he's got his badge on, like, the, the retractable lander yeah. thing and he's, like, shows his badge to him. I got a huge, huge laugh out of me. So everybody at this table acknowledges that Michael Pena is, like, a brilliant comedic actor. Uh-huh. Have, like, 
and Hollywood does use him that way, but it does seem like they've come around to it. But like, is first off, does do do normal moviegoers, and I don't mean to to disparage them or anything like that. Like they're not having, they don't have five five hundred movie podcast episodes under their belt. So like, right. So they they haven't been following him since you know uh, observe and report or whatever. I had no idea who that guy was at all. Everyone until like, that movie, yeah. Everyone's like, "That's Michael Pena," and I'm like, "You keep saying that name like I'm supposed to know." <laughs> okay, just, see, that's that's my. But question. He was great in the movie. But observe and report is where he uh, sort of stepped up as a comedic presence. Because oh, yeah, but I'm not going to see that he's movie. In, like, he's in like so uh, dark shooter. Um, I'm not going to see that either. <laughs> but that's not. Keep a, naming not Michael Payne movies. I'm not going to watch Crash. Then, no. Yeah. No. Not that. Are you kidding? But yeah, Observer Report, and then um, the second season of Eastbound and Down, I think, is where people like Again. started seeing him as uh, super funny, and I think that's where. So yeah, I think comedy nerds, comedy filmmakers, mm-hmm. and regular movie nerds know Michael Payne and know that he's funny. Does do the citizen to the civilians out there who yeah. aren't those things even know his name i'm not sure yeah and you don't think so i don't so therefore no one does <laughs> because my experiences are everyone's experiences and my point of view is the only one. Oh wow <laughs> have you guys heard <laughs> i mean admittedly i haven't gotten any google alerts because i do have one for stereos coconuts yep you better <laughs> um i want to say this about i'm sorry did you want to no, go ahead that's fine i want to say this about ant-man Imagine how dour Civil War would have been if Ant-Man wasn't in it, too. That I agree with you, because... I, so I'm not actually a huge fan of Civil War, and the big the big fight... The, the three-person fight at the end, I think, is great. But the big fight with everyone, I think it's like, yeah, all right, it's in a super bland environment, and it's just everybody pairs off in a way that's super obvious. Only Spider-Man and Ant-Man like, add any kind of real fun and wit to it. I know it's not supposed to be fun because they're fighting their friends and all that, but at the same time, like it's, it feels creative and vibrant when they're on screen. And you know, when Ant-Man becomes giant man, it's a really nice moment for comic book nerds. And, and I think, I think my issue is that the character of Ant-Man as played by Paul Rudd, I think works better in an ensemble than, which is why they, kind of started to build an ensemble around him in Ant-Man, but I still think, but he's still definitely the lead. But I think as a supporting character, I think he works a lot better than as a lead. I find the fair, the, the character in the movie Ant-Man to be very, uh, inconsistent. And I feel like the comedy while effective doesn't fit with the larger story. I felt like it was kind of, the movie was sort of tonally in conflict with itself. Uh, despite liking a lot of the stuff, I liked all the action sequences, um, which is a thing I, don't often say when it comes to superhero movies. Usually it's like, I like the character stuff and the action can be fun, but I usually don't care. This, yeah, this exactly. movie is exactly the opposite. Um, Wait, you couldn't relate to an ex-con who just wanted to get his daughter back? <sighs> Are we talking about Sandman and Spider-Man 3? <laughs> no! I never Ant-Man. saw that movie Ant-Man. either. Oh, okay. I heard that, uh, they, I heard that uh, Peter Parker does some sort of thriller dance. Yeah. I was like, I'm not going to see this movie. You know what? Here's the thing, though. I was talking with uh, some people about this just yesterday, actually, that uh, that sequence, everyone's like, that's ridiculous. It's like the only Sam Raimi thing in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Like, that is a movie that is so studio managed that uh, there's really not much of him left, except that moment where he's clearly having fun. And that's the part everybody latches on to, because the movie that it's in is just so middle of the road and shitty in studio. Um, 
Am I the only one who saw Spider-Man 3? Okay, all right, never mind. Yeah, no, okay, I did see one scene of it on a treadmill. Here's the scene I saw. I saw the perfect scene to see. You only watch movies when you're on some sort of conveyance. Well, guys, look, I'm not going to take time out of my life to watch a movie that I've been told by everyone is bad. Like, who does the, what kind of masochist? Like, if I'm, if I'm flying somewhere, if I got to work out, all right, put the goddamn thing on. Because, again, you can, but anyway. So the one scene, yeah. No, you know what? Say what you're seeing, then I'm going to say what I might okay. think about hate watching. Um, my The one scene I saw is the scene that everybody points to as the worst scene in the movie, which is the Green Goblin's butler is like, I've secretly known that Peter Parker was good that the whole a, time. That is a shit scene. Why haven't you told me before this? I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, I, I think you hit on something about the only way I'm going to like hate watch something is if it's while I'm doing something else. If it's yeah. not, like, not going to give all my energy, which is why I tend to, I don't tend to like hate watch a lot of TV or movies. I do when it comes to music. I have a weird perverse thing where while I'm working, like just yesterday, uh, as of recording, the new Corn album came out. It was yeah. on Spotify. And oh, I, I know. Like, Here's why I and know. And I was like, I'm going to listen to the entire Corn album at work. One of my fellow students made me very aware that the new Corn album uh, <laughs> became available because she's a big fan. Really? Yeah. A you don't think student. the timing, you don't think Corn releasing an album around Halloween was an intentional move, do you? It could be. Pure coincidence, I have to assume. <laughs> right? I have to assume. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, I, I don't tend to hate watch stuff, but I do listen to a lot of bad music on purpose. <laughs> I li- I'll listen to an entire One Republic just to be like, I got to see what this is. And so what? Uh, let's do this, if you'll pardon me. How would we define hate watch? Like, I'm going into something 95% sure I'm not going to like it, but I want to consume it. So that I have more fuel to talk about how much I don't like it. To me, okay. to me, that's what hate watching is. So you've gone in with the decision already made. Again, ninety five percent. I'm still, or ninety five percent certain. Like okay. I'm not going in hoping to hate it. I'm going in knowing that that it's corn. I'm not, not going to like this music. Yeah. But I want to have listened to the whole corn album. Because the thing is, like you know. Uh, Doing what what we do, there are movies that I feel like I should see, like Batman versus Superman, because there's a conversation being had about it, and we do a movie podcast, and so I feel like I should be part of it, or at least one half of us should be. <laughs> I feel like you're condemning me for not no, not at all. It's just movies. some of us take this seriously. It's fine anyway. So, uh, podcast is over. We're done. Is what I mean <laughs> to say, and it's all because of Batman versus Superman, David versus Tyler. That's what I want. Uh, no, but there are plenty of movies I see that you don't. Name one. That's, that's, no, no, it's it's fine. It's it's one of those things where it's just like one or two of us. I feel like should weigh in on a certain thing. And yes, sometimes you you catch it. Sometimes I do. And when it comes to movies like Batman versus Superman, it's usually I'm the more mainstream person. I'm the more populist person in my tastes. I guess I hate it, but that's who I am. <laughs> uh, and. Uh, and so I go in, but I, I, I wouldn't say, I, even though I, I assume I'm not going to like it, I'm willing to let those assumptions go while the movie is playing and acknowledge good things that are happening. Um, and so I feel like that's not a hate watch. I feel like a hate watch is if something is good, that will be ignored. If something is bad, I will focus on it and try to remember it so that I can talk about it later. Like it, that's, it's, probably, that's probably true, because the whole point is to have more 
fuel to talk yeah. shit about something. Yeah, I think that's it. And like, yeah. the conversation you want to be a part of is let's hate this movie tremendously, and that's it. Right. Whereas, oh, if, but for me, it's not. You're right. It's not movies. I don't do. Yeah. I don't do. I don't hate watch movies, and I don't. I think there are things that I hate read. Um, I'm a, uh, a longtime uh, subscriber to GQ magazine. Okay. And they have a... Uh, I thought you liked GQ. I do, but they have a food critic. Oh, okay. <laughs> named Alan Richman, uh, whom I can't stand. Mm-hmm. And when I see that there's a, no, a new Alan Richman article, I'm like, oh boy, let me dive into this. Uh, and so I do it with that. And I, yeah, apparently I do it with uh, certain, like, new metal bands. You know what? There is... Okay. I will hate watch Christian film. Because <laughs> of the other podcast, I feel like I... There, there, there are some Christian films I need to watch, and so it's like, all right, I know what I'm. I know I'm not going to like it, and so I just need to start coming up with arguments. But I can't do that unless I see the movie. So I guess I should see it. But at the same time, I've I've allowed myself to be pleasantly surprised. But even then, like I do go into you know when I saw God's Not Dead too, I wasn't. I'll be honest, my mind was pretty much made up. I will acknowledge it's better than the first one. Um, I want to ask a serious what he hate watches, but I also want to, I want to say in Alan Richmond's defense, he did play himself on an episode of Treme uh, where yes. the whole point was that everyone hates him and Kim Dickens threw a drink in his face. Um, and I do give him credit for, uh, realizing at least that, that he's kind of a joke. I have no people. respect for that. Here's why <laughs> for the same reason that Michael Moore went on, the Simpsons and he is doing like a, a documentary and then someone uh-huh. says, and he, he throws out a statistic that can't possibly be true. And uh-huh. someone's like, where did you hear that? And he goes, your mother. And he runs away <laughs> and it's like, Hey, that's funny. It's about how none of his movies are factually accurate in any possible way. Um, and so it's like, Oh, he's, he's, he's being a good sport about himself. It's like, no, he's inoculating himself against further criticism by saying like, Hey, cause I'm a good sport. So I'm going to keep doing exactly what I have been doing and make no change. If he actually was self-aware, he would say, Hey, maybe I should do things better. All right. That's my, that's my thing. Asterios, what do you hate consume? Besides, I guess, uh, rogue scenes from Spider-Man three on treadmills. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you f- the stuff finds you like, <laughs> that's the thing. Like, so, like Batman vs Superman, by the way, I was watching it over someone else's shoulder <laughs> and I still compl- I didn't even go to the menu and go like, ah, Batman versus Superman. I was literally, I could follow everything about that movie. I don't, I don't really hate watch shit. I don't know. It's just, I have so, I don't have a lot of time to watch good stuff. Like I still haven't seen season two of Daredevil. Season one of Daredevil was, I think, one of the best things I've seen. Yeah, I watched. It, just, it, might, it might be my favorite Marvel thing. Like a it's incredible. Yeah, I, I watched the first episode Friday night. I watched the other eleven all day Saturday. Hmm. I was just like, "Nah, this is really good. I want to see which beloved character gets murdered next yeah. to uh, to further fuel the Matt Murdock's rage." And uh, but I still haven't seen Daredevil season two, and I definitely want to see Elektra. I hear she's a hot Greek girl. Like <laughs> I still haven't seen this. I still haven't seen season two. Um, it's I don't. I don't end up, and you know what? There's a lot of media that is about hate watching. Like, uh, like there's a series that Red Letter Media does called Best of the Worst. Yes. By the way, 
in the in the interim between my last appearance, like Red Letter Media has become a dominant force in film criticism. Yeah, they're big. Isn't that crazy? I, I don't even mean they're like big. It's like because like fucking Larry the Cable Guy's big. It's like they re they invented a way to communicate film criticism through YouTube that has yeah. now been replicated ad nauseum. Yeah. You know, to a ridiculous degree. I'd say them and Nostalgia Critic, Doug Walker out of uh, Chicago, I feel like those two realize that you know, you can't just sit in front of a screen and, and talk, which admittedly in the few videos I've done is exactly what I do, but whatever, it's fine. Uh, I have no expectation of being as big as they, as they are, but you know, incorporating like comedy and visual effects and sketches and that sort of thing. But in the midst of that, still having remarkably insightful film criticism, uh, nostalgia critic who sometimes I agree, I, I often don't agree with, but, uh, he has a bit, not a bit. He's got like a 25, 30 minute video about AI in which he talks about the various things that he doesn't like about it. And he winds up mirroring a lot of the stuff that I've been hearing ever since the movie came out. But then in the last 10 minutes, he starts to turn and talk about how this is a, a, a perfect hybrid of, of Kubrick and Spielberg and that maybe he needs to change his view on it. And so it's like, Look at that. That's actual, that's nuance. And you don't find that a lot in, you, you can find it all over the place in like online film criticism, but like YouTube film criticism, you don't find it very much. No, it's, it's either everything's the best or the war or everything's the worst. Yeah. Like that's kind of how, because, because it's so quick to communicate that on YouTube. Like, like just like this sucks and this rules and welcome to sucks and rules. <laughs> like it's just, you know, um, but the I mean the the thing didn't did, did the nostalgia credit come before or after the angry Nintendo nerd? Uh, around the same time, I believe. Okay, nostalgia critic has been around for a while. Yeah, but I am aware of the angry Nintendo nerd. So yes. we all need to be. Uh, I think you, it sounds like you guys got there before I did, um, and good for you. But um, I, I've recently been thinking we need to be at a point where we're, where we don't sound like journalists 10 years ago who were like dismissively talking about bloggers is like a oh, bloggers is like a lower form of, of writing. Like no. I can't, I have to make sure not to talk about YouTube critics as if they're somehow, uh, uh, like maybe a lot of them are bad because it's, uh, yeah. it's a wild west, but I can't like dismiss the medium. Well, yeah. Well, when red letter media is what we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. We all think that's great. And that's YouTube criticism. Yeah. Okay. But, and it's, I guess I, we think it's okay. Well, I think what, the, yeah. I, think, I think what they realize, I think the good ones realize that, well, I'm on YouTube. I could essentially turn this into a video essay. Yeah. Uh, and the good ones, and that's what red letter media is known for primarily are these, you know, uh, Mr. Plinkett reviews of Star Wars and Star Trek and that kind of thing. And while, you know, the very nature of the, of the character reviewing it is he's basically like Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs uh, and the voice accompanies it. And there'll be a lot of like goofy, silly stuff in there, but it's also remarkably intelligent and insightful and witty mixed in with incredibly dumb things as well. But the, the, even the dumb things are pretty smart. And, and so, but when you actually look at it, you realize like, Oh, this thing about the Phantom Menace is a 90-minute video essay. And, you know, it's pretty great. Now, um, Asterius, I want to go back to something you said, because we're talking about uh, it's been more than three years, since you've been, almost four years since you've been on the show. 
Um, we're talking about things that have changed over that time. Yeah. You also mentioned, uh, in terms of Daredevil, um, uh, that Elektra is a hot Greek chick. Yeah, and, and I, so, didn't get, I still haven't watched! And, and you are of a um, uh, Greek uh, background. Have you seen the other franchise that has roared back into our lives in recent years? Damn it. Have you seen My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2? Oh, gosh, no. I haven't even seen the first one. Is that right? And I didn't watch My Big Fat Greek Life, which was the sitcom right. that followed all those characters, too. No, I'm not going to do I'm not going to do that. I'm not. It's like you would. OK, even if you here's the best pitch you're going to give me for watching that movie. It's surprisingly funny. Like, I don't know, maybe Robert Michael did a draft because every line is a punchline and they're all just, it's just full of really great jokes and, and it has a really great uh-huh. plot with an earned ending. I'd be like, but I don't. David, can you make that pitch? Uh, no, it comes together by the end, but it is um, not as good as the first one. And the first one itself is just, you know, a, it's a very, very solid and charming middle brow entertainment. Um, and this one doesn't even live up to that bar. You know, here's the interesting thing. What's her name? What's the name of the star of that? Nia Vardalos. So Nia Vardalos. Nia... By the way, super cute. Yeah. yeah. Always she's, had, she's always, adorable. Had, always had a big crush. Yeah. But here's here's the interesting thing. It's like, all right, everybody watches my my big fat Greek wedding, and they think that the lesson, and then ho- the lesson that Hollywood takes is that people like Nia Vardalos. And it's like, no, that's not the lesson. People liked my big fat Greek wedding. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, you can't just take her and put her in something normal. It like it has to be something weird and personal for us to like. I feel like there's a lot of actors and actresses like that where it's like we but we only like you doing this one thing. And if you do it again, then you're ripping yourself off. So Nia Vardalos is the Yahoo serious of Greek romantic comedies. Exactly. (laughs) That's exactly. I'm trying to think of another. I was going to say Roberto Benigni. Yes, that's exactly right. Life people didn't like him; they liked life is beautiful, and so then they try to put Roberto Benigni like in a concentration camp as a clown, and like, uh, wait, is that life is beautiful? That is life is beautiful. But Uh, then he he was in he was Pinocchio, the live action Pinocchio, right? I hated, I didn't see. But I'm the other way around actually. I like Roberto Benigni when he's in Jim Jarmusch movies. Oh, absolutely, uh, like Down by Law and That on Earth. Uh, I don't like my Life is Beautiful very much. Never did. There you go. But people, here's how much they responded to Life is Beautiful. Obviously, like, it was the only foreign film that made money, thus it will win Best Foreign Film. That's how the Oscars work. <laughs> okay. It also won, I think, Score and Best Actor. He yeah. won Best Actor. That is astonishing to me. Yeah. That's the thing I forget, because how could it be true? Like, I'm, I'm pretty good with Oscar trivia. I could name Best Actor pretty far back. And then 98, I'm like, wait, who was that again? Oh, right. It was Roberto Benigni. And, um, but it's like, no, my like brain his, refuses to remember it. I like his best actor acceptance speech more than I like Life is Beautiful. Oh, sure. Because he does the thing where he's like, his English in terms of syntax and everything is not that great. But he actually has a decent vocabulary. Yeah. So him saying, I am, I am in tumult, which is like <laughs> a thing that most like native English speakers wouldn't describe themselves as being in tumult. No, uh, I don't think but so. But he, he like stumbled his way to it. I found it very, very charming. I'd watch, I'd watch his acceptance speech again before I'd watch Life is Beautiful again. All right. We're Good making short work of these coffee crisp I know. things. <laughs> I, know. I this, love this them. Po- this podcast has quickly turned into just an opportunity to eat coffee crisp on mic. Um, so, well, what was the name of this guy again? Jarrett. We've Jarrett. Said it a billion times. I can't. I can't remember the name of every listener. <laughs> <laughs> I know Bob. 
Bob, send us candy. <laughs> but yeah, Bob, come on, get with the program. I know that you, Bobby, you're, you're Bobby with, boy. <laughs> I know you're busy with your own podcast, but come on, we've been around longer. So now that we've hit 500, I find myself having a bit of swagger in, oh, my, yeah? in my step. Nice. Even though it somehow uh, makes me more pathetic. Yeah, I think. Yep. But um, <laughs> I did. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, and then in class yesterday. Uh, I will say this. It's not often that I push more than one lesson at school. Um, For but, listeners who don't know or guests who don't know, more than one lesson is Tyler's other podcast, oh yes. which is film criticism from a Christian point of view. That's true. And then I am also enrolled at uh, UCLA in the master's program. And so uh, the uh, as we, we had to go around and do like a, you know, a... a, a icebreaker kind of thing we talk about you know what's your favorite movie of all time very simple and then uh, one of the instructors said back to the future and i thought like well i had tom wilson on more than one lesson mm. so if he's if he's that big of a fan all right so i happened to have some business cards with me and uh and so i said okay here's the deal this is a christian show keep that in mind <laughs> but i had tom wilson on and his face like lit up he was so excited and i thought like oh good i'm able to i hope he's not too disappointed by the fact that this is so completely overtly christian uh, discussion but anyway yeah um, um i have i, oh, I have a lesson to pitch you okay Every- i'm sorry only one yes <laughs> oh i'm sorry i'm out damn I, it I, I like more than one if you can give me two mm, it's a lesson in stages okay let's do it you need to do a lesson about every single time they raise up the protagonist literally like a Christ figure. Examples include the end of the Matrix sequels, where like they're literally carrying him out and his arms are outstretched. Yeah. Uh, so when Superman dies and they're like literally carrying it and his arms are out. It's like anytime like a character in a movie like makes their arms into a T. Gandalf, yeah. when Gandalf falls in Fellowship of the Ring, right before he falls into like complete blackness, his arms are, are out. Yep. Yeah. The end of Gran Torino. Gran Torino, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, where he chooses to sacrifice himself rather than do the usual Clint Eastwood thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, Spoilers for Gran Torino, but he gets blown away at the end, and then yeah. he's laying there on the on the sidewalk with his arms in the crotch. That's a very arms. unnatural pose. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's just real goofy. It's super-duper <laughs> obvious, and I feel like you should, uh, you should create, like, a super cut of all of them and be like, so I guess lesson one would be don't literally like turn your character into Jesus and then have him die like Jesus did and then have him look, make his arms look like Jesus because it's very, very surface. Uh-huh. That's the thing is that like I do feel and, and a lot of the movies that we talked about are movies that I that I like. I don't necessarily like the, the Matrix sequels, but the first one, the, the Christ analogy starts uh, with that one. But whenever but there's one thing there's a difference between just general Christ analogy Christ analogy completes in the first one like he he dies and comes back to life in the first one like it's, that's true and it's he already ju- done and he jumps into agent smith right he like uh and explodes and him. explodes him so just like, like when jesus jumped into pontius pilate and exploded him yeah i don't recall what translation that is but uh that might be new living anyway. grant morrison <laughs> <laughs> uh but no it's no you're absolutely right it's surface when it's just like all right what can we do to add some depth that is not earned. Oh, I got it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's like, well, this character is not that much of a Christ figure. Well, he's about to be because yeah. when he dies, he's going to do this. <laughs> and that's it. Ugh, no, thank or do you. Do you think it's either? Do you think that the filmmakers in this case actually think they're being subtle? Like they think like, Ooh. like later they're going to go, hey, 
do you guys notice something about the way that guy died? Like, do you think that they think that that, that it's a clever? They move? might. They no. Might. They absolutely might because you like you can always count on these big budget movies we're talking about to completely underestimate their odds. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I want to get to the thing you actually. Uh, My brought. blood. Yeah, but uh, first I wanted to ask you. We've talked about all these movies you didn't see that you saw because there was nothing else going on and you were in the middle of traveling across the country. Yep. What was the last movie you went and paid to see in the movie theater? Yeah. What a fucking good question that is. <laughs> Holy balls. Uh, it was definitely, it wasn't as far back as the new Star Wars, which I loved. The last, I was going to ask you about that. What happened this summer? Civil War. Uh-huh. What, is, what, what are the big movies recently? Like, what's a movie where this you're like... A, this hasn't been a very good summer. No, in I some think ways. the last movie I paid to see, not counting the Terrence Malick IMAX thing, was uh, Miss Peregrine, the new Tim Burton movie. Oh, oh, I saw that, yeah. How's that? It's good. Okay. I liked, I liked it's it. It's not fair great. Enough. Yeah. I would say, as much as I'm a fan of Samuel Jackson, he's off the mark, and I think he's the worst part of the movie. I think, but isn't Eva Green, Eva Green great? Here's the difference. And I was thinking about this. This is one of those uh, thinking in the shower moments where I went, ah, this is why I don't like that. There's, it's a very slight difference, but it makes all the difference here. Um, Samuel L. Jackson is being hammy in mm-hmm. the movie. Eva Green is being arch. And yes. I think it's a slight difference, but it's so important to the movie yeah. that, um, it, that Samuel L. Jackson's performance actually manages to derail it during his scenes. And that's kind of because he's such a big part of the third act. It was kind of a bummer for me. Yeah. Um, but uh, I did like the movie. Anyway, that's not, that's not the question right here to talk I about. I found the movie. Okay. okay. The Angry Birds movie. <laughs> Yeah? Yeah, I'm not kidding. Uh, movies I've seen this year include, I saw Ghostbusters. I liked, uh, I liked the first half. I think it was better than people gave it shit for. I saw the first 30 minutes of Star Trek Beyond on an airplane here, and I loved it. And I was like, actually, you know what? I bet that I think the way to watch Star Trek Beyond is on a TV. Okay. <laughs> because I think if I were in a theater and I saw that opening scene where it's like very comedy, and then it turns out to be a visual joke... I think I, if I was in the theater, I'd be like, I paid a lot of money for to see this. <laughs> but I'm watching it on an airplane, and, and I'm like, that's pretty funny. And you know what I like about this? That it's very normal Star Trek. That's the thing that really strikes me most about that movie, is that it just seems like a big-budget, long episode of Star Trek. Which is great! Which is really a neat idea. The only, the only, epi- the only Star Trek, I mean... I think the Star Trek The Next Generation movie that works the best is the third one, which is just a long episode of Star Trek. Which one is that? Insurrection? Yeah, Insurrection. It's just like, hey, you know what? Because I'm watching First Contact and I'm a kid and I'm like, there's a lot of murder happening. And this isn't why I like Star Trek. (laughs) Like, I, I remember thinking to myself, like, you know, when Captain Picard, like, shoots that dying ensign who's being borgified, I'm like, wait a minute, Captain Picard. They deborgified you. It took two <laughs> episodes. And there's been multiple episodes about like your deborgification. Like why are you just shooting this guy in the neck with your phaser and you're like and he's and it, and he's like Trust me, you'll be doing them a favor. And it's like, you know what would be a really big favor, Captain? <laughs> and by the way, I'm not kidding. This isn't like a stand-up routine I've come up with in my 30s. Like, I'm I'm 12 years old, and I'm watching this movie, and I'm like, I what's happening? I don't like this. I did, I did, and like, I don't know, stuff with the deflector dish, the temporal wake. <laughs> I'm watching this movie, I'm like, you know what? This was better than Generations. 
Because well, I'm because sure. Generations no. bored the shit out of me, and it had Lursa and Bator in it. Now you said that you didn't write this as a stand-up bit, but have you tried your deflector dish temporal wake chunk on stage? <laughs> <laughs> it's gone over. I'm, a, you know, it started out as a tweet, and I'm just building on it and building on it. You know, but uh, I forget where we. Oh yeah, so I'm on to Star Trek Beyond, and it's like, all right, there's a scene where like li- where like Bones literally turns to Captain Kirk and is like. It's your birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> and I'm like, that would happen in a TV show. There would be an episode. It's like, this is the scene with the exposition in it. That's totally fine. And I think I heard, I, I think, honestly, I think Red Letter Media brought it up that that sequence of like, it's your birthday. Let's have a drink or something like that is referenced to like one of the, like, I think the fourth film or something yeah. like that. And I, it's been so long since I've seen that I didn't remember, but it's like stuff like that, which is, you know. As much as I I do like Star Trek Into Darkness. Um, oh, I don't. But, but really? I thought you liked it last time. No. Maybe, no, maybe I liked it last time. Um, Did we talk about that last time? I think so. Yeah, no. I, I, you know, long story short, it's like, I, but I saw this movie last time and I liked it. It's very similar to the first one. I think I prefer the first one. I but. much prefer the first one. Because it's like, in order to raise the stakes, they got to kill. It's like, if you got to kill Captain Pike to make me care, like, 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 that's so cheap. It's like, there's. Yeah. Find a better way to make me give a shit. And it seems to me but that simply by having Khan be the villain and having somebody yell Khan, admittedly somebody different than yells it in Wrath of Khan, it's just like, okay, well, you're, you're referencing stuff that everybody knows. But having, you know, happy birthday, let's have a drink, that's... First off, it's something that w- already works well for the story that you're telling, but it's also a nice deep cut for real fans. And it's like, that's how you do a reference. I'm fine with that. Yeah. It, it, that, that's, that was totally, to- I mean, that absolutely worked. Or Captain Kirk eating an apple in both movies. It's like, there you go. You <laughs> yeah. know what? Young Captain Kirk will probably just take a big bite out of an apple and just throw it on the ground because, like, I don't know, he's young and it's just, it's like he needs a thing to make himself different. And then, like, old Captain Kirk's eating a goddamn apple, too. It's like, oh, okay, this guy likes apples. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk um, about your book. Okay. Let's talk about it. I got a new book coming out. Uh, through Devastator Press. It's called Toys for Cheap. It is a fake catalog of dangerous and insane toys. Uh, for example, Tickle Me Elmore Leonard. Uh, <laughs> he says over 10 spare pithy phrases that evoke humanity's wars. <laughs> so pretty much you just squeeze him on the hand and he just talks about how Get Shorty got taken away from him in editing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I like. I'm, I'm at the board games page. We've got Mall Sadness, um, Mystery Writer Date, and my favorite Hungarian Hungarian hippos. Yeah, and it says in Soviet <laughs> Russia, marbles eat hippos, and there's four giant marbles eating hippos. But then there's a footnote that says, "Please don't Google the accuracy of Hungary's involvement in the USSR." <laughs> uh, also, another board game is John Candyland, the game that benefited most from the death of John Belushi. <laughs> so uh, there's you can play as Who's Harry Crumb. You can play as Mog from Spaceballs. Uh, there's all every all your favorite John Candy characters are there. I enjoy. So here's OK. As I'm looking through these, the name that pops up and not as like a ripoff, but like as and I don't know if you if you meant this or if you're inspired by this guy like Jack Handy. Oh my God, I love Jack Handy. Like as I as I just read through and just like those and I know that he wasn't uh, responsible for like all of the the SNL like 
commercial parodies and stuff like that. But I'm a huge fan of those where it advertises a silly product. And as I look at uh, Stretch the Truth Armstrong. Oh, the only doll that lies on its resume? Yeah. And then it says $7.95. It's like, all right, this is is solid. I like it. I like the specificity of lies on his resume. And then... In true, like, Jack Handy SNL fashion, it says, warning, does not stretch. <laughs> that, that, to me, is, like, that is the, uh, what do you call that uh, at the bottom of, like, uh, of an advertisement? The, the fine disclaimer, print. Disclaimer. Yeah, disclaimer. Disclaimer humor is, like, some of my favorite. Simpsons does it great. SNL does it great. And it's on here as well. <laughs> I, I like all the uh, Nerf, except it's, I'm sorry, Norf. Yes, uh, I don't know what Nerf is. Foam, uh, foam toys, which are all, like, weapons and methods of execution and you've got the north guillotine and the tagline of which is soft with their heads <laughs> and there's a little okay let's not give away the whole book People no can... honestly give away the book <laughs> who gives a shit talk about the book if you want um and, and again you can get this book at devastatorpress.com slash cheap you can also find it on amazon if you search for toys the number four the word cheap. Uh, we do have Amazon Prime delivery, two-day delivery for free. Oh, my God. Nice. So I'm looking at the spread that simply says it's a bunch of Urkel bullshit. Yes. And uh, I'm laughing tremendously. Well, I think our listeners will enjoy the Videodrome Viewmaster, which is a Viewmaster <laughs> made of human flesh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, my God. And, the, and it just says, bottom just says, long live the new flesh, 1995. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, very funny and and beautifully uh, drawn. Yes, by, uh, Jimmy. How do you say his last name? Jimmy Hasse. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, really delightful. Yeah, Jimmy so. Hasse is the he's the lead uh, the art director for the Onion. He's an incredible artist. It's a fifty six page full color graphic novel. It is bigger than my gigantic head. It's these huge <laughs> oversized pages because they wanted to make it as big as a catalog. And uh, yeah, you can pick it up. I hope you guys like it. Toys for cheap, Devastator Press. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Star Wars, though. Okay. I was going to say. I, yeah, I was going to ask, yeah. 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 Because I, 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 I'd love to. I, we do have to wrap up soon, but Tyler said he wanted to ask you about Star Wars because you, of course, are a big Star Wars-ophile. Big, bigger than you guys. Definitely. I don't know why you got to get, cr- you know, confrontational not, about it's it. That there's it's not just like, important uh, that you know your place. <laughs> there's not like, um, like people who are into Star Trek or, or Trekkies or Trekkers. Right. On whom you ask. Oh, we're Star Warriors. Star Warriors? Is that yeah. true? No. Oh, <laughs> we're just Star Wars fans. We're just yeah, huge fucking nerds. <laughs> but maybe it's, but at this point, it's like, yeah, the name for Star Wars fans is everybody. Yes. It's like, everyone loves yeah. Star Wars now. That's, I mean, that's the thing about Star Wars. I remember one time, uh, Kurt Vile, Kurt Vile was talking to another favorite DJ of mine, Tom Sharpling, about Bosick and IG-88. And Kurt Vile is like an indie rocker from Philadelphia. Yeah. And Tom Sharpling's like, how do you know about IG-88? And he goes, it's Star Wars, man. It's America. <laughs> and like, that's just the way it is. It's just, you know about it. It's, it's, it's so, so deep in our culture that like, it's, it would be weird to say I don't like Star Wars. Uh-huh. It's like you could ignore Star Wars. You could not be. You could not go see the movies. You could not read the books. But like, if you say like I hate Star Wars, or I'm going out of my way not to see Star Wars, at this point you're trying to make some sort of cute point. This is actually that uh, I, 
um, this reminds me of something our, our friend uh, Jim Bruce over on the uh, the late uh, Paul Goble show. Paul Goble's not dead, but um, the, his show is no longer on. Uh, and Jim Bruce talked about how the, the the idea of the royal family, and that if we as Americans say, "I don't I don't care who the queen is, I don't care about all that," that's literally true. We just don't care. But if you're, you know, in Great Britain, and you say, "I don't care about the royal family," you're making a stance. You're yep. making a point. Yep. And that's. Star Wars or maybe the NFL or there are things like here in America where if you say, I don't care about that, that's a statement. Yeah. And yeah, that's yeah, that's what Star Wars is. It's it's like I think football's fine. Like if I'm on if I'm in a bar and football's on it's like, yeah, I'll look at the game. Like, if, and and when people get super excited about football, I'm excited for them. Like my friends that play fantasy, like I'm like, you know what? That's cool. It's like I, I like I like Pokemon shit. You guys like this? They're both games about like large co- managing large collections of characters in a way that's most beneficial to your team. Like that's there's no difference in my mind between Pokemon and fantasy football. They're both like. They're both kind. They're both boys managing a bunch of stuff, <laughs> you know. And it's like, yeah, you get. It's like, yeah, but if I were to be like, oh, I hate football. Oh, football's the worst. Oh, oh, you like football? Oh, I hate. Fo- I don't <laughs> watch football. It's like, what do you? What's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, it's so. I'm I'm not really a, a sports fan, and. I'll make jokes about that, but when it comes right down to it, I wish I were a sports fan. Absolutely. Like, I, I look at people that enjoy sports, and I think, like, and, li- like, right now, I mean, obviously, it's a big time for, for the Cubs, and so, like, our... No. Really? How do we not... See, this is how I know you don't know about sports. What? I'm from St. Louis. Obviously, oh, that's right. Cubs Sorry. Like, I was literally, like, Well, I'm, I'm used to Dodgers fans saying boo, and I was like, I don't think of him as a Dodgers fan uh, like that's what I'm currently thinking of right now but no, in in St. Louis you learn to hate the Cubs at the same time that you learn you know basic motor skills in the English language but like it's, it's it, it, and it's here's why my, I'm, it's in my vein here's how much I'm not a fan had the Cardinals won the World Series you're asking have they yeah yes they've won the second most times of any uh, okay. major league baseball team now my feeling is if you're a Cardinals fan and the Cubs are doing well. It's like, boo. It's like, they haven't won in a long time. Just let them win. Don't, why do you have to shit on like the underdog? Why do you, why are you siding with Goliath against Weird. David? Weird. It's, it's Good a, point. It Weird. A, it's a respectful thing to know. It, I know in my bones that a Cubs fan would never be happy for, for me. Why would the they? Time. You guys have won a bunch, <laughs> you know? No, I, I think, you don't need it. I, yeah, I think sports, sports travelers are a weird, weird thing where they're like in, deeply held and deeply felt but also unless you're an asshole they're not actually personal at the same time Let's so i can not. be yeah. good friends with a cubs fan yeah. and there's a mutual understanding between us that i yeah. will never ever ever be happy for him that the cubs win we can mm. still be good friends i think that's that's the way it should be there are assholes who uh yeah who, t- who take it too far and whip batteries at people um well that's just uh philadelphia that's, fans throwing yeah. batteries at, i thought uh, it was boston as well at, well well the the famous um, incident is that people in Philadelphia threw batteries at Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> they sure did. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so yeah, Philadelphia uh, definitely holds the um, the <laughs> in, in the nation's conscience. Yeah. Uh, battery whipping is synonymous with Philadelphia. And so uh, to go back to what I was saying is that like 
there are things that everybody's into and I wish I could be into not because, not so that I can feel accepted or anything like that, but just because I look at how much fun they're having and I think like that does look like fun. I just don't take much joy in the thing itself. Uh, I can go to a baseball game and enjoy myself and, and, but that's more just the general experience. And so, but almost, but almost invariably there are certain things and certain ways people will phrase something that I might not say it, but mentally I'll be like, don't be an asshole. It's usually that. And it's, and if somebody says, okay, if someone hasn't seen star Wars, I'll be surprised, but it depends on how they say it. If they say, I actually haven't seen star Wars. Yeah. Like, you're okay. just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> no. You shit your mouth. No, serious. I don't think you get what I'm saying. No, 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 I get it. Of course. Yeah. I mean, that's your first reaction. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's like, Oh, okay. Wow. That's interesting. They haven't seen star Wars. But if somebody says like, Mm, I haven't seen Star Wars. I don't know if I'm going to. You go, fuck you! <laughs> I swear to God! <laughs> Barry! You push my last nerve, Barry! <laughs> I'll say your throat from here to here! No, yeah, I mean, it's the normal reaction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is what we were all thinking. We're all on the same page. Uh, I appreciate the commitment, Asterios. That's me! Um, so, <laughs> so uh, but yeah, um, What's interesting is that so many people really, I would say, loved, just by and large, loved um, Force, Force, Awakens. Force Awakens. Yeah, because it was good. But it's with it, it's not even been a year, and it's starting to shift. Not like oh on, no, not, it was immediately hated. It Do was immediately so? because because here's the thing, God, the, the fucking day after. I'm sorry, you don't. Do you curse in this podcast? Oh, later? it's fine. Okay, Constantly. good. The day after. Force Awakens came out. We also constantly out. threatened to slip people's throats from ear to ear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now, I mean, that's a bad, callback. But not. <laughs> um, the day after, I got people telling me, you know, if I want to see the first movie again, I would just fought, I would just watch the first movie again. And you got to give George Lucas credit. People take a dump on the prequels all the time. But at least he's introducing new and interesting ideas as opposed to J.J. Abrams, who's simply giving us a movie we've already seen. And it's like, I heard that opinion right away. Really? Okay, wow. Absolutely. Because, it, because there is another thing that has changed in the culture. And, and it's so funny. I've been on this show over a span of seven or eight years. And... Something else that has changed in the culture is hot takes have now uh-huh. become the norm. Right. Like, yeah. you have to have a hot take. You have to get those clicks. You are writing hot takes all the time that you might not even uh, agree with. But if you're getting paid $40 to crap out this piece for a blog and a percentage of the clicks on it, then it's in your best interest to find the hottest take the fastest Mm -hmm. and the force awakens it's just it's a great movie it's kind of i don't see how you could argue with it like uh you can quibble with small parts you can go with small parts big parts or whatever but it's like all those actors are fantastic Mm -hmm. and they play characters that i care about and i want to see succeed as opposed to the entire prequels yeah where i didn't care about any of the characters and it made me care less about c-3po who i care a lot about (laughs) And uh, uh, yeah. I also think that the that main that that is the main complaint that it's so similar to yeah. uh, a new hope and it really is incredibly similar. It's um, the same plot but I don't and, it's good though. But here's the thing, it's because the the prequels are so terrible yep. that we kind of needed this palate cleanser. We needed yep. to get back it's, we needed to do the things that Star Wars was initially good at to remind us all 
like what Star Wars can be. And, and now we're excited going forward. And the fact that it's followed up in, immediately by Rogue One, which is very much off the beaten path. Like it, they're not going to do like I'm very excited about. Rogue I'm one. really excited about Rogue One. Like they didn't say. It's not like the next one is going to be the new version of Empire Strikes Back. This is a completely different type of thing. You know, it's a different it's different iconography as par, as far as planets. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's such a and it just literally one little line which is many Bothans died to get us this information and there's a there well, there's an assumption sorry. of like a whole story behind that. Can I be a nerd here for Please a second? Please do. Well, I'm sure, serious serious thing. You're thinking I was about to jump over the table. Yeah, you're oh, thinking yeah. of the second Death Star. Oh, I'm sorry. The Bothans okay. did not die in okay. the Rogue One story. But either way, like plans plans have been gotten, and you and you kind of wonder like how how did that happen? That has to have been uh, a bit of a uh, of an issue. Uh, you you can't just get Death Star plans, uh, you know, on the internet. Um, and so I don't know. It's it's. They they're answering a question that maybe people weren't asking, but maybe they should have been asking. And in that way, I'm very excited. I do think where where it could get into trouble is I'm interested to see how much inv- Darth Vader involvement there will be. Because one thing about Rogue One is that it allows people to uh, it allows them to shoehorn Darth Vader in again. And okay. so I don't know, but oh. but I'm still excited because I also love Ben Mendelsohn as a villain. I think. I'm excited to see Darth Vader again because I bet the first thing he's going to do is just kill three main characters. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like the, the, the nice thing about the Darth Vader comics is that they make him scary again. Mm-hmm. They make him terrifying in the Darth Vader comics right away. And, um, and so I love the idea of introducing Darth Vader as like an act two obstacle that yeah. like slaughters half your team. And then it's like, holy moly, are any of these guys going to survive? I, I, I haven't seen, I've, I only watched one of the trailers once. Then I said to myself, like, I'm not going to watch the trailers. I want to yeah. be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but this is kind of funny. I'm trying to find this list on my phone. I'm having trouble because now, unfortunately, there are two Wikipedias. One Wikipedia <laughs> that handles canon and one Wikipedia that handles legends. And so the legends <laughs> Wikipedia, which is hopefully is at the bottom of this. Ca- ah, exactly. There we go. I've gone from canon to perfect. Um, the amount of characters in the Star Wars extended universe that have had their hands in the Death Star plans is infinite. Mm-hmm. Are you guys familiar with this? No, no, I don't. Yeah. All right. So, so you know, the the first Star Wars first person shooter was called uh, Rogue Agent, right? Rogue. Yeah, I yeah, don't know. Yeah. yeah, Rogue Trooper. I like I like movies, mysterious. Yeah, no, movies are great. <laughs> there are no, there are no video games. Um, so, like, there's an entire Star Wars game that came out in the '90s. It's about you playing a guy named Kal Katarn who's trying to get the Star War, the Death Star plans. And then there are like comic books about the Death Star plans and movie. And like, now they're making a movie about the Death Star plans. There are unlimited novels about the Death Star plans. Like, the in in. Previous continuity, the Death Star plans had been like stolen and smuggled by no less than forty characters. <laughs> it was really cool. Then they flushed it all down Disney's golden toilet. <laughs> nah, I'm fine with that. You're flush okay the with whole, that? Oh god, flush the whole, flush the whole extended universe. Because the thing is, uh, the best selling graphic novels of all time all happen outside of continuity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Watchmen happened outside of continuity until recently. 
which is a problem because DC ran out of ideas and started incorporating Watchmen into their continuity. Uh, the Dark Knight Returns doesn't happen in continuity. Superman Red Sun doesn't happen in continuity. Right. Uh, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow? Like all these, uh, all of DC's best-selling uh, graphic novels do not happen in continuity. So it's like, well, when something doesn't happen in continuity, who gives a shit? Like yeah. it's still good. Mm-hmm. And like, if you're upset that something got taken out of continuity. Examine your brain. Like, what's <laughs> wrong with your brain that you need it to be right and that you're not allowed to like anything that didn't happen? Because none of this happened. Absolutely none of <laughs> yeah. this happened. So, who, like, but no, but this really didn't happen. Why do you care so much? Yeah, you, and you can decide for yourself. Like, I'm a big fan of uh, uh, Buffy and Angel. Yeah. And both of those shows have continued on in as the comic comics. Books. In continuity. Uh, with Buffy, I'm kind of fine with that. With Angel Comics, the very existence of the Angel Comics defies what I think happened at the end of the series. So uh, those Angel oh, Comics... Oh, right, where he comes friends with the dragon. <clears throat> yeah, so the Angel Comics to me are not... They're not my continuity. Well, and, and <laughs> my, uh, but you have the freedom to... That's what It's I'm not on TV, so you have the freedom to ignore it. Yeah, or, or, or read it and enjoy it on its own, yeah. but still say when I watch the f- season five, episode 22, Not Fade Away... Uh, to know, no, that's how it ended. And uh, so they, they think, all died in that alley. That's how I feel. Okay, <laughs> so do you think Angel died fighting that dragon? He died fighting one of the 10,000 demons that was coming coming after him, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's how I feel. That's how I think uh I guess I Angel don't need ended. to watch Angel now. Yeah, you do, you do. I know. Uh, all right, this has been fantastic. Yeah. Um, I could listen to you yell again at Terry all day long. Terry! <laughs> it, it, was, <laughs> it was Barry. You can't go retconning. Oh, Barry, his, I'm sorry, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, Terry's, Terry's his brother, who's actually really uh, into Star Wars. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, as usual, of course, you can find us at battleshippretension.com, where you can find uh, reviews. I think Tyler reviewed Star Wars Force Awakens back I in, did the, do that, yeah. uh, in the day. Um, way back a year ago. Um uh, you can find us at, well, what did I say? Battleship Retention, that's where this is, that's where all of our episodes are, uh, all of our reviews. We're on Twitter at uh, Davey Pretension and Tyler Pretension. Uh, Tyler, your other podcast, as mentioned earlier, is More Than One Lesson. That's right. Anything you want to plug this week? Uh, we're in the midst of Halloween times, and so this week's episode, unfortunately, there are some audio issues uh, where my mic was a little bit off, uh, but you can still hear me okay. It's just not ideal. Um, and uh, Josh and I talk about The Shallows uh, with okay. the companion film The Descent. Uh, my other podcast is on hiatus, so I got nothing going on right um, now, but I will be bringing back Hey, Watch This. Um, probably at this point, I'm thinking, I, I thought I was going to take a shorter break, but it's probably going to be maybe in the new year. I'll probably okay. bring, hey, watch this back, because right now I'm so swamped with fall movie fever and trying to catch up on all the fall movies. So If you want, you can join you know. me and Jen for worth playing for. Uh, no, I'm not going to do that. Okay. Um, Asterios, where can people find you? Where can people find your book again? Uh, and what's going on? Absolutely. You can find my book at devastatorpress.com slash cheap or by going to Amazon and searching for toys, the number four and the word cheap. Uh, Again, Amazon, we got uh, free prime shipping. And uh, you can learn more about me by going to my website, AstereosCoconos.com. That is A-S-T-E-R-I-O-S-K-O-K-K-I-N-O-S. I'm at Twitter at Twitter.com slash Asterios. Thank you guys for having me. I'll see you in four years. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming across the country just to be on the show. Just Come on. And only this show. <laughs> yep, it's I a write-off. <laughs> and thank you at home for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.
This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.